Scripture says to be ready in season and out of season. You know, the Lord, um, He is not interested in building buildings and ministries for the sake of ministry. Y'all realize that? That's not what is in His heart. What's in His heart is raising up daughters and sons that look like Him, that walk like Him, that talk like Him, that demonstrate the power that He demonstrated, that have grown into the character that He demonstrated. Jesus is interested in us being like Him, okay, in every aspect. One of the things that I have been, you know, honestly, a lot of this came from my sitting under Rick, but I, you know, but there is something that has to switch in our mentality of what the true purpose of church, and and even more important, what is the purpose of New Testament leadership? Now, I'm going to throw a holding spot in Luke 8, and I want us to go to Ephesians. Four, so Ephesians four eleven. This is uh, morning, one of Morning Star's key verses. It's part of our um, vision statement. You know, the, it's important. You know, the scripture says, "Write the vision and make it plain, so those that read it may run." We need to know what God has called us to as a congregation. What is the purpose of this church? And one of the, the there's three things specifically that are very big umbrellas that a lot of other things fall into, but. Uh, but the three things is number one, and, and it's, this is such an important priority, it has to be number one. We're seeking a place where God's presence dwells. We don't want to do meetings without the presence of God. Our purpose for coming to a church service should be to encounter God, to sit in His presence, to be with Him. I mean, the veil's been torn, has it not? We're supposed to be, you know, Moses was in the glory, and it had to put a veil over his face under the old covenant because the glory of God was so intense on Moses' face that he had to put a veil to block it off from the the children of Israel because of the glory that was slowly fading off of his face after spending time with God. But in Hebrews 8, it talks about how we've been given a better covenant enacted on better promises. We're not supposed to just live in God's glory, we're supposed to have God's glory live in us. Think about it. Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? If Christ Jesus is in us, that far supersedes us sitting in God's presence. God's presence is supposed to be sitting in us. And there's a people that are going to walk in the reality of what Jesus paid the price for, and that's for us to be one with the Father. Now, in the Spirit, we've been made one, but there's a working out of that to where we learn to abide in Him and allow His words to abide in us, and we're growing up into all aspects into Him, which I'm about to read. But part of our purpose is to, do, is to seek His presence, to be in His presence. Moses prayed, Lord, don't send us up. If your presence doesn't go with us, 
one moment in the presence of the Lord will do more to transform your life than 20 years of counseling. One moment in God's presence, His manifest presence. And you all know what I'm talking about. You know, just because you're playing a song at worship service doesn't mean God's presence is in there. There is a man, I mean, don't get me wrong, I know when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. That is absolutely true. But there is a manifest presence of the Lord that will come sometimes where you can tangibly feel the weight of God's presence. And there is nothing like that. I began to, in uh, 1995, or it may have been actually 96, I was uh, at Morning Star on Presley Road, and Kevin Price was a worship leader that had come in town to do a service. And um, I'm sorry, guys, I've got to say this. I, I sense the Lord telling me something, and i just got to say this. I'm, I'm not going to call anybody out, but ask the Lord if this is for you. There is a, um, there's an unforgiveness. You know, Jesus said if, you know, Jesus talks so much about unforgiveness, and he said if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. Unforgiveness is serious to God. It's hypocritical because we need his grace and forgiveness in our life, but when we hold it back from other people, it's, it's very hypocritical. It's wrong to want to access God's incredible grace for all of our mess-ups but hold it against other humans who are struggling with all kinds of stuff, demons and issues and all kinds of things that you know, hurt people, broken people, break other people. We're all broken, and we all need God's grace and forgiveness and mercy. And I don't care what's been done to you, God requires, it's a requirement that you forgive. He said it very clearly, if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. And I feel like there is an unforgiveness, there's some unforgiveness that I'm sensing right now where it's opening the door for sickness. It's giving the devil a legal foothold for some sickness. And if that is you, just forgive right now. It's not worth it. The weight that you carry by having these negativities, it's like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. It's not worth it holding on to that stuff. Do you all know what I mean? It's just not worth it. Just let the person go free. Because what will happen is when you let that person go free, you actually go free. When you let that person go free that you think does not have a right to go free, you go free. And so I'm just encouraging you. I had to say this. I felt the Lord on this. like It was stopping me right in the middle of what I was saying. The Lord loves somebody in here so much that they're willing to interrupt a service to give you this message that He wants you healed of your diseases. He loves you. He died for you. But you have to forgive. Okay? Lord, I just ask for your grace upon this. Whoever these individuals or individual is, Lord, I don't want to embarrass them. Lord, but I ask for your grace to help them let go. To 
to just be free, Lord, from the unforgiveness that they have towards the person. And it's not to say that the person didn't do wrong. It's to say that I will not be their judge. I let go of being God. God is the judge. I forgive because Jesus told me to. I will obey the Lord Jesus by forgiving those and letting them go now. And Father, help them to even start with this. Father, you forgive them and help me to forgive them. And Lord, just release the grace of forgiveness right now. In Jesus' name. You're going to feel, when you do that, there's a lightness that's going to come over you. And there's even like this, um, it's like the enemy's just leaving, just, just coming right off your body right now. You know, Jesus talked about in the parable of uh, the, uh, the servant who would not release forgiveness to his other servant when the king had forgiven him of all the money that he owed. Y'all know that parable? And at the end, the king, because he wouldn't forgive his fellow servant who owed him only a day's wages when he had been forgiven billion dollars worth of debt that he couldn't pay. It says when he would not forgive his, his fellow servant, the king threw him into the dungeon where he was tormented by torturers. And that's what happens when we don't forgive. We get turned over to torturers, torment, torment. And it opens us up to the enemy. And that thing is being broken when we forgive. And that torn, I just see the torment of the enemy just lifting. So, all right. So, hopefully that's done. Um, so, what was I saying? The presence of the Lord. We're after God's presence. The second thing that we are as a ministry is we want to be uh, making sure that we're functioning in this verse. Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body in Christ until we all, everybody say all, all. Is there any, anybody that's not included in the word all? Everybody in the body of Christ. And he's given us these, these ministries until everybody in the body of Christ all, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure, you know, that measure is a word about being filled up. You know, you measure out a cup of, you know, water as you're cooking or you're measuring. To the full measure, what's the measurement for, for the Lord? It says, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's a pretty heavy verse. He's given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service until we, all of us, every part of the body has grown up into the maturity that is the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies 
according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Just real quick, you know, we, every single one of us is to grow up into all aspects into Him. Well, all aspects. Hey, Stephen, I don't want you to go, buddy. I really want you to stay. There's a bathroom right around the corner if you want to, if you can, if you can hang with us. Okay. All right. I'll talk about Stephen in a minute. We love Stephen. Um, that's part of today's message, actually. Um, y'all get a kick out of this one. Um, so, what was I saying? I don't remember the last thing I said. Oh, all things, all things into Christ. What was all of Christ? Think about it. We're to grow up into all aspects of Jesus. If Jesus walked in it, we're called to walk in it. Jesus said, the works I do, ye shall do, and even greater works shall you do, because I go to the Father. His desire is not for us to just to be forgiven of sins and we go to heaven when we die, but we struggle through this life. No, he's called us to be overcomers. He wants us to walk as Jesus walked. Scripture says, if any man claims to be in Christ, let him walk as Christ himself walked. How did Christ walk? Did he walk defeated by life? Did he walk defeated by sickness and disease? Did he walk defeated by uh, relational conflict? Did he walk defeated by anything? He He was an overcomer. He overcame in every way. Nothing could touch Jesus. That's where God wants us to grow up into all aspects. That means that we don't just arrive there overnight. You don't, you don't just get born again and all of a sudden, but we're called to, as soon as we're born again, we're called to start growing up into Christ, into every aspect. And that means that he wants us to walk in his character, his holiness, his purity, but he wants us to walk in his power. He wants us to walk as he walked. And that means that we have got to begin to grow up into him and to start getting trained and equipped. And that's the purpose of New Testament leadership is to equip the body so that the members of the body are all functioning and walking in their purpose and their calling. Now, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Every single one of you has personal responsibility whether you'll give yourself to the Lord fully to grow and to become what God wants you to be. But I hope and pray for the grace of God on this, on this church that we are equipping and training our people and we're not allowing them to be dependent on us. You know, Jesus said, woe to those who nurse babes in those days. One of the worst things that we can do is to leave your, leave your people in immaturity where they need you. A parent's role, and it's not that I'm a parent, but there is an aspect of leadership in church that where your goal is to, to like well, for my kids, I'm preparing my kids for their adulthood. If I don't have that as my vision, then they're going to get by and they're going to struggle with a lot of things that they didn't have to. My goal was to equip and train my kids to connect them with the Lord, to teach them the Word of God, to raise them up so that they can make their own decisions without me and to be thriving and healthy. My goal was so that I have done such a good job with my kids that they no longer need me. 
That's the goal of every leader in the church, what it should be. That every person brought to them, that they have grown up. There's one mediator between God and man. It's not the pastor. It's Jesus Christ. Every single one of you are called to have such a locked-in relationship with Jesus going on that you don't need the pastor's word to go do this or go do that or, or to hear from God or to grow in your relationship. You should be having that going on in your life without you know, the concern of a pastor. Because he's the head. He's the mediator. Our job is to help the body to get into that place. Okay? It's up to you whether you do it. So the other, the other thing about this is that, you know, in speaking the truth in love, we are, gro- we are to grow up. So we're growing. We're growing into this, into all aspects, into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, that's us, you, me, the person beside you, being fit and held together. So we're, we're called to be connected together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building of up itself in love. All right. When you read this and you understand what it's saying, you realize how crucial every member in the body is and how when they're walking in their purpose and their function that God's called them to be, they're actually causing the life and the building up of the body. And without that, the body is lacking and is sick. Okay? Right? If you're not walking and you're calling, you're hurting the body. If you've disconnected yourself from the body of Christ, you're hurting yourself and the body. Because there's something God wants to use you for to help the body. These people that say, oh, I'm good with Jesus, I don't need the body. They're deceived. That's what the Amalekites did when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. They went and they attacked all the Israelites that were stragglers that weren't with the rest of the group. They were easy pickings. If you think you can make it without the body, you're, you're, not only are you denying the scripture, you're, you're in delusion. And you're going to get your lunch eaten. The enemy's going to pick you off easy. We need one another. But even more importantly, we need one another to everybody to not be weak and and spiritually weak. We need to grow up into our calling and our purpose so that we have what the body needs. One of the things that the Lord showed me one time was that the pastors that keep their people in immaturity, they're actually hurting themselves, very much so. And, and I was given this, this kind of example, came to my head. You know, the body's supposed to walk. There's, there's callings, there's gifts of healings that the, t- the Scripture talks about in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 that the body's called to walk in. And, and I, I had this picture of this, of this pastor who, whose daughter gets sick with cancer or something, and he had kept all his people in immaturity and out of his territorialism and out of his desire to make sure everything's under his hand because he was building his own ministry that when the child got sick, God had actually sent a person that he had called to walk in incredible gifts of healing, but they were never equipped, never trained, never released, never helped to grow up into this, and they were his answer to what the enemy was going to send against, what the enemy was going to do to his family 
but because of his territorialism and fear and trying to keep everything under control, he actually cut himself off from God's provision for his family at a later point in his life. Now, I don't know if that's a real person. That was an example that came to me. But I think it tells the picture, and I think it probably is a real example, of cases where when we as leaders do not train and equip our people, we're actually hurting ourselves and the rest of the body because y'all are God's answers to somebody's problems. Do you realize that? You're God's answer to somebody's problem. And if you don't grow up into your calling and your purpose, then you're not going to have what the body needs when they need it. Some of you are going to do amazing exploits in God. You're going to raise the dead, cast out demons, heal the sick. You're going to preach the gospel to the poor. You're going to see people's lives changed. The Holy Spirit in you is the same Holy Spirit in every person that's a believer that's being used of God powerfully in the world. There is no difference. The only difference is those people had learned to follow him. They'd given their lives to grow in that relationship and intimacy to grow up into all aspects into him. So are we going to do that? I hope you guys are people are going to do that. All right, so here's where I'm shifting gears. One of the things that the Lord uh, told me a few weeks ago was that he reminded me that we're supposed to be activating people. It's not enough just to teach. We have to activate. When you're in a, when you go to boot camp, you go through training and there's instructions, there's teaching. But if it ended there, our military, any military would be in sad, a sad place. It's like war breaks out, and they've, if, if war breaks out and these soldiers, all they've had was instruction, but they never carried a gun. They never learned how to physically pull a trigger. They never learned how to walk under, crawl under things with bullets whipping over their head. Then when they experience that, they're going to be like, they're going to freak out. You know what I mean? And in the same way, if all of us only have instructions but are never given the opportunity to walk in the instructions, then we won't be prepared for really what's happening. It would be like a pilot who you get in a plane to go fly somewhere, and the pilot says, hey, you guys, just want to let you guys know, uh, I have made 99s on all of my written exams for my flight training, and you guys get to be the first one. This will be my first actual flight, though, where I'm actually flying the plane. How many want to fly on a plane like that? I don't. I want you to have. I want you to have felt what it what it's like to feel the wind, to feel the resistance, to hold that you know that yoke steady. And I, I want to know that you've had some experience doing something before I get on board with you when you got my life in your hand, right? Well, it's the same thing with us. So um, I am still being trained. And I'm so thankful for that. And I, I really, when the Lord told me today's a training day, um, I'm going to, I think we're going, it's, it's a training day for me, but I'm going to let it be a training day for y'all too. Um, last night we were downtown, uh, Lacey and Jason and Margaret and a number of you guys, uh, we were downtown, a bunch of people from Global, and then, of course, Anthony that's, that we've had for a few weeks who just planted the church in Porter's Neck. Uh, he was playing the bass. That was great to have him. We, we set up and did live music 
downtown Wilmington, and it was awesome. It was fun. It was difficult. It was a lot of things. Um, and there was a, a homeless guy that came and sat at the front on the sidewalk. And, you know, you could tell something was off a little bit with him, but he was homeless, and most people who live on the streets, it's a tough existence, so you don't know where what's really going on with people. But at some point during the night, <clears throat> uh, he starts to, like, strip. And uh, Jason was over there, started ministering to him, and you could tell there was something demonic going on, and Jason's trying to minister to the guy, and, and uh, he finally gets the guy to put his pants back on, and guy just kind of lays down and is, you know, is looking all, um, you know, he just, he just looks relaxed and we think, okay, he's, he's doing better. But then we started singing, uh, I think it was I Exalt Thee. And for, for a bit there, there was, you could really feel the presence of the Lord for a second. It was like, you know, it was a tough night overall, but there was a few pockets and that was a pocket where the presence of the Lord came. And that's when this guy started freaking out. And he's like, he's starting to get, you know, you can tell the unrestlessness. They start going, you know, they're just like, there's something going on. Um, and so when we're doing this, the presence of the Lord's coming. And then next thing you know, this guy just strips down buck naked. You in the south, he was buck naked. <laughs> and he took off running away from us, you know. Jason had a souvenir if he wanted it <laughs> to remind him of his, his yeah, he, yeah, he tried to hit Jason. That's right. Um, he was a demoniac. Uh, if you look over here in um, Luke 8, 26, thanks to Paul, I think it was Paul. Then they sailed to the country of, Ger help me. I don't know how to say that. Gerison and blah, 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 which is opposite Galilee. And when he came out, out unto the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed by demons and who had not put on any clothing for a long time and was not living in a house but in the tombs. I don't know what it is about demons, but they like to be naked. Now, he, that man had him a naked demon. <laughs> Got to cast out that spirit of naked. <laughs> it's funny, but it's not funny. <clears throat> I mean, that dude ran off tormented. And that tormented me a little bit. It broke my heart, honestly. Because I'm up here playing the guitar and running through my head, Lord, what, what am I supposed to do here? Should I put the guitar down and, and, and go assist? You know, or, you know, what's going on? And then when the presence got thick, I, I know what the guy was going through, and I don't think I ever finished the story. I don't remember why it got interrupted, but when in 96, when uh, Kevin Price came back to that story, um, the presence of the Lord came so heavy. And when it did, I had like a war going on inside of me. I'm sitting down, and, and it's like, I feel such a, I mean, the Lord's presence was so amazing. But at the same time, there was like something screaming inside of me to get out of here. And I was wrestling because part of me was loving this and part of me was hating this. 
And I'm just sitting there and I'm twitching and I'm just, I can't get peace, but yet I love it, but I hate it. And then the next thing I know, I felt something just leaf lift off of me. And it was demonic. I had carried it probably for who knows how long as a kid. Something had gotten a hold of me. I didn't even know it was there. But it was a demon. Uh, and it left me. I don't know if it was just oppression because I was a believer, just some kind of demonic thing resting on me. Or I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not getting into the theology of all that. I'm just saying something left me under the presence of the Lord. So I know what that, that kind of like, golly, you know, that wrestling going on. And you could see this guy happening. So on the way to church this morning, I'm feeling bad about that, and I'm talking. Uh, to my dad, and we were praying because I, I I pray with my dad daily just to, for some things that we're believing God for concerning his health. But we just I just started thinking about that, and I started praying. I was like, Lord, I've asked for this before, but Lord, if there's anybody that is struggling with demonic oppression, possession, whatever, and Lord, you can send them to us. But just give me, help us set them free. Don't send them to us and not let us help them get free. But send them, Lord. If you want to send demoniacs to us so that we can help them get free, Lord, give us a second chance. Show us how to walk in this and so that we can learn. And, and I pull into the church parking lot, and there was Stephen just kind of doing this number, and then he just starts beating his head. He's just in there beating his head up. And I'm like, and I had just prayed that. And I had just experienced that last night. And I'm like, wow, that was, that was quick. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, I'm like, Dad, I got to go. I got a demoniac in the parking lot. And I shut the car off, and I went up and talked to him. And I said, uh, Stephen, hey, buddy. Or he told me his name, actually. And I said, uh, I said okay, Stephen. I said, Stephen, you got a demon, don't you? He looks at me. He's like, yeah. And I said, uh, I didn't know what to do. I really don't know what to do. I know that what, the, what Luke 17 says, you know, we're supposed to take authority over these things and cast, people, cast them out of people. They're real. The majority, a good chunk of Jesus' ministry was casting demons out of people. That's what the Bible says. Go look at it. He spent a lot of time. Matter of fact, do you know the majority of Jesus' healings that were occurring, it says that he would heal them and a demon would leave them. Numerous times when people were deaf, he would cast a demon out and all of a sudden they could hear. The majority of sickness, I will say, is demonic in its nature. You can, and sometimes we don't get healed because we keep asking Jesus for healing and what we need to do is in the name of Jesus, you spirit of whatever, get out of me. Because demons like to attack our bodies. And you can be a Christian and have a demon attacking your body. Sickness is demonic. I mean, it even says, uh, you know, when, when Jesus, when the, when the lady who was bent over like this, you know, and the Pharisees are mad at Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath. And what did Jesus say? He said, should not this daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound for these 18 years, not be set free on the Sabbath? What does that tell you? The healing that she needed physically was she needed 
a demon, Satan, who was oppressing her, kicked off of her. So we have got to, we have got to get prepared to deal with these things. Now, if Stephen comes back, I'll see him again. He was here a few weeks ago. We're going to help Stephen get free. God's sending to us. We're going to help him. He told me the name of his demon, or at least one of them. He said he had a couple in there. But he said one of them was Belial. If you look that up, that's a, that's a very, you know, you look up in the, in the Hebrew Bible, you see that spirit over and over again. It's, um, so it's, it's actually a Hebrew word. And uh, so this, guy, this guy's definitely got a, a demonic thing. There's lots of people suffering in that. Some of them you don't even know. Think about this. How many demons, have, you remember when the demon, in the, when Jesus goes into the synagogues and then the demon would cry out? Isn't that interesting? He goes into church. And every Sunday there was sitting there a man who was respectable. Looked like everything was good, clean cut, probably a member of a, a good standing member of society. But when Jesus walks in, that demon couldn't hide anymore. And all of a sudden he starts freaking out. And he was telling you there's a lot of demonized people in church. And the Lord's gonna come. The, we're in harvest. God is it's time. It is harvest time. It's time to do the work. And part of that is training you guys so that you can do the work because there's such a huge harvest coming. We're going to have to deal with people like Stephen in the harvest. We're going to have to deal with people that got drug addictions, that are prostitutes, that are uh, respectable doctors that have demons on them sometimes. We're going to have to deal with things. And that's part of the work of the kingdom is helping people get free and discipling them and teaching them and letting them grow up into all aspects into him. So we got to get ready, right? We've got to get ready. It's harvest time. Um, I'm going to continue to seek the Lord for help and training and equipping to see that uh, I'm doing, you know, that, that we walk in something you know, Jesus cast out a demon with a word. He didn't struggle with them. Most deliverances ministries that I know today, they usually wrestle with those things for hours before they come out. I don't think that's God's highest. Jesus cast them out with a word. And, uh, and that's, that's what I want to grow into. When there's such a presence of Jesus on my life and I speak the word and they go. Now, am I there? Apparently not. You know, there are different types of demons. This, this, this service isn't really about demons. I don't know why. But there are different types of demons. If you remember the disciples that Jesus had sent out to cast out demons, and they came back in Luke 17, and they were rejoicing because all the demons were subject to them in Jesus' name. But then a few chapters later, after the transfiguration, they, they, Jesus comes down the mountain with, with uh, Peter and James and John, and the other disciples were there trying to cast a demon out of an epileptic child, and, and the demon's not going out. And they're like, Lord, why could we not cast it out? These were the same people. He had, they had just came back ca having cast out demons. So why is it that they had full authority when he sent them out, but they're struggling here? Well, what did Jesus say? He said, this kind. What does that tell us? There's different types. 
This kind come out only through prayer and fasting. You have to live a prayer and fasted lifestyle in order to have the kind of authority. That's really the faith, because what he rebuked them for was lack of faith. But that kind of faith only comes through the, the life of devoted, being devoted to prayer and fasting, emphasis on the prayer. And, um, and then that faith rises in us that we can deal with those things. So anyway, so the goal today is training day. That was the only thing the Lord gave me when I was driving in. I didn't have a message, but I do know the Lord wanted us to get equipped and trained. And I do think that Stephen was a, uh, clearly Stephen was part of my training for today. And, but, I, but it's now Shell's turn. <laughs> um, we're not going to, I'm going to call on a few of you. And I'm going to put you on the spot, and that's okay. Don't, don't panic. It's all right. We're family. But a lot of you have been being uh, used in the prophetic. You've been going through prophetic training and equipping for year after year after year, and you do work on teams. But we want to just call some of you up and put you on the spot and ask you to get words for people. Does that sound good? All right. <laughs>